Are you tired of scrubbing your bathroom clean? I am. Transform your bathroom cleaning with wet and forget weekly shower cleaner. Just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, it's your once a week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who have switched to an easier clean. Get Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One guy sat down next to me and said, I don't know what you think I've done. But if you want to tell me, I'm willing to hear it. Uh And I said, it's time for you to get up. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody got to cue me or do I cue myself? Cue yourself. Okay. Hey, everyone, we are back with another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. So let's get talking. Um, I think that it is very appropriate that we start this uh, back to school season with a bona fide movie star. Yeah. Yes. With an Academy Award nominee. Personally, I think she should have won. Mm -hmm. With a Nobel Peace Summit Award winner. I know. like That's intimidating. <laughs> She's a best-selling author. I'm talking about Sharon Stone, ladies and gentlemen. Let that name sink in. Do you remember where you were when Basic Instinct came out? Oh, my God. That was the best movie. The best. I yeah. mean, she, you couldn't take her eyes off of her. She was so great. I remembered her from – she did this movie with – Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mm -hmm. Total Recall. I found her mesmerizing then as well. And I went, I think I went with Richard Esposito. He had seen it the second time. He's like, I saw this movie. We're going to see it. It's starring Sharon Stone. Have you seen Sharon Stone in this movie? She's fabulous. She's fabulous. It's going to change your life. I was an actor at that time Mm -hmm. on the soap. And I remember thinking, and I had a very cohesive thought, I need to get out of this business. I don't have whatever that is. Whatever that thing is that makes the viewer's eyes glue to a person for an entire movie. Like I know other people are in the movie. Right. Right. It's a great cast. But if Sharon Stone is on the screen, your eye is on Sharon Stone. Right. Same with Casino. Yeah. Same like if if it's any Sharon Stone yeah. movie. Your eye is on Sharon Stone. And that Total Recall, I think, was like her first film, like her first big film. And my eye was on her the entire time. Yeah. She's not in the movie that much, but every time she's in it, your eye is on her. You know, it's like she's worked with some big, heavy major, hitters. major, major. And she, to me, is just the epitome of what it means to be a movie star. She still has that thing. Definitely. 
Unbelievable. She's in the, the waiting room, I guess. <laughs> Should we turn on? Should we get on? Oh. There hi, hi, gorgeous. <laughs> How's your mom? Oh my gosh. Sharon, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. You have never- Mine the same way. I know. Mine went all the way down, left her body, Uh huh. came back. Now she's the poker champion of her retirement home. <laughs> That's incredible. I want to learn how to play poker. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening with yours? So, What's happening? So my mom, she had this major heart surgery that she really needed and should have been done years ago. But she just kept living with this prolapse valve. It's very boring. Anyway, she had major heart surgery. And I found out because when they did the closure, they called the number one plastic surgeon for breast augmentation in New York City to close her wound. And do you know, you can... Bare, there's almost no scar at all. And I was like, I wish I had known he was going to be there. I would have <laughs> laid down next to you and maybe gotten some <laughs> aftermarket parts. I mean, that guy is a very hard to get an appointment with. It, I know. Get a little of the I mean, I would have been like, can you just, can you just. Yank and tuck a little. No, I, I already did the neck. It's the boobs that are the problem. <laughs> my boobs all of a sudden are by my waist. No, it's like they used to it. be one place. And this year, all of a sudden, I want to wear a bra watching TV. Well, guess what? If you have double A negatives, they also hang long and low. <laughs> so, I mean. It's so depressing. It's I, just what happens. It's like you can stay in as much shape as you want to, but your skin just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> what did I say? It's the skin. You need it's like the a fucking zipper up my back. <laughs> oh my but I, here's the thing, Sharon. I'm going to say, first I'm going to, let me do your intro and then we'll talk about this. Okay? Right, let's not tell them where my vagina is. No. <laughs> I stopped. I, st- I stopped looking for mine when I tripped over it one day. <laughs> you hit it with your knee. Everybody's like, wait, wait, can I tell you this? Hit it with your knee. We were all on vacation together. Albert was there. And I learned on this vacation that when I sit down in a chair at a certain a certain height, when I sit down... <laughs> Something claps down below. Oh, come on. And it makes a sound that yeah, is yes. that is a- with air. Yes. With air. Yes, with with air. air with air. Wait till you have to like adjust it when you stand up by just doing a little tuck and then the air comes out. That's the next step of this game. As you stand up and you kind of have to go like <clears throat> Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've reached phase one of that. Yeah, well, phase two is pushing the air back out. It's really? Yeah. It's new. It's like every day I find, and Jan is just a couple of years younger than me, and I keep saying to Jan, I I say, you've got two more years before you sit down and fart sounds happen, (laughs) and you're not passing gas at all. Okay, I'm going to start this intro. I'm going to intro this. Because I've got to, like, we've got a dynamite intro for you. you We're not just here to talk about all your shortcomings and your physical failures. We've got an amazing intro. Okay? She's a Golden Globe and Emmy Award-winning actor. She's an Academy Award nominee. I believe she should have won. Okay? I'm going on record. 
okay? She's a human <laughs> rights activist. She's a philanthropist. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's a mother of three boys, which, as you know, is like 17 children, three boys. <laughs> it, it, exponentially, they're like gremlins. Their personalities multiply and multiply. She's an Im- incredible painter. If you don't follow her on Instagram, you simply must because she makes art. Please welcome to the podcast, Sharon Stone. Wow. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> you can introduce me to my children. So, oh my, I, I wish I could introduce you to my children because my sons, as you know, we've discussed this over DMs. So I have two sons that are very dichotomous in their personalities. They are not similar in any way. They disagree on everything except the hotness of Sharon Stone, okay? And every film, I've told you this, you're in that category of movie star who makes movies that you want to watch over and over and over again. Anyway, if my boys walk in, they're like, yeah, right, like... Like Robert De Niro would ever be able to get her. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like Joe Pesci would ever have a chance with Sharon Stone. And You know what's really interesting to me now is that, like, I was going through my Instagram the other night. I was looking at my own Instagram page to think, to see, like, what the hell am I putting up there, right? Right. Is it really, should I be putting these things? So I was looking at my own page, like, why, why did I, what am I doing? And I was looking at old things and I thought, gosh, the men that I was cast opposite were so much older than me. Yeah. You know, they were amazing. They were legends. They were astounding. They were all the big animals in the business. Every big superstar. I got to work opposite every legend, every legend. But they were all 25, 30 plus years older than me when I was playing their paramours. So I look at them now and I adore them, but they're all really, really, really elderly men now. Now they're 80, 85, 90. It's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting, but, but I will say this. I'm so grateful that they cast you because nobody else could have held the flame that you held in those performances because those were heavy hitters. Well, and it was true to life. These women always were 20, 25, 30 years younger than the men. Mm-hmm. You know, but if we dated someone 10 years younger, we'd be a cougar. Sharon, I could set you up with my son right now. He's 26. <laughs> I would love for you to be my daughter-in-law. That would be the greatest honor of our family. Have you met our daughter-in-law, Sharon Stone? And would you think it's weird if we introduced you like our daughter-in-law, Sharon Stone? Can you imagine? That would make the, it would be the joy of my life. I can, however, say that I have dated men whose mothers were my age and have really hit it off and have Really, twice this has happened to me. And I've had fantastic relationships with their parents. Yeah. Like great relationships with their parents. And frankly, it's been a joy for me because I don't have family anymore. I had a very small family. And our whole family has this thing called RA, 
which is a, it's called, a, you know, rheumatoid, a rheumatoid condition. Uh-huh. And so we have an, an anti-inflammatory autoimmune condition. And my sister has lupus. Mm-hmm. My older brother had Bright's kidney disease where he lost a kidney. And like Al Pacino, he has alopecia. Mm-hmm. And my younger brother just died very, very young. And his son died at 11 months old. And my other nephew died when he was 18 of an overdose. We have, we have just like no family, no family at all left. My dad's dead. He died from this disease. And so we're, we're all very fragile. And, we, and so I don't have extended family. So I'm always very excited when someone shows up with family. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you want to go out well? Do you have family? Well, listen, I, <laughs> I like can set you up with my son. Dating. I will set you up with my son and you'll have all <laughs> the family you can handle. Because let me tell you, we are a I lot. I pretty much now am like, you have to at least be 45. Oh, okay. Well, he acts like he's 45. Does that help? I know. I have one like that too. Yeah. I is he your, your eldest? Year old. I have no, my middle child ah. is like 18 going on 45. He went to Oxford pre-med at 14 and stood in on a brain surgery, a four and a half hour brain surgery at 16 and a half. But that's he like went, you, you've got that, you've got like that super brain, right? I have, but not quite at, in his league, you know, his is all medicine and, uh, biology and physiology and physics and, you know, calculus and everything. So I'm kind of just in awe and wonder at his process. You said a lot of words. Is that like math stuff? Yes. Okay. You know, his, (laughs) his stuff, his tutor um, just resigned because he outpaced his tutor. Wow. Now we're looking for a higher end tutor. And I was like, are you proud of yourself? Are you excited? And he's like, well, I just need a different tutor. You know, yeah, for him, just, it's, just, it's just the facts. Yeah. You know, me, I'm kind of like, you know, I stopped playing chess with them when they were like 11 and 12, my two young ones, because I used to be able to beat them. And then when I couldn't anymore, I was like, wow. Well, if you're looking for someone to beat, you could play chess with me. Is that like, yes. is that like checkers? <laughs> is that like exactly. connect four? Yeah, like you and I should play. Actually, we should probably play uh, the one that you get on the floor and crawl around on the dots. (laughs) That's a good one. So, you know, you were talking about you've had a lot of tragedy, a lot of loss. and, And I will speak from my own personal experience with you. You were one of the only people to really that I didn't know personally that when my mother got sick, you reached out to me and you gave me really profound, incredible advice as to how to manage hospital stays, what to troubleshoot for, how to talk to the doctors, how to understand what was happening. You And, and, and I don't know how you knew that I needed it, but you somehow knew that I needed it and you were extraordinary. And, um, and I will never forget your kindness. It, it's not lost on me that you were dealing with your own sick mom. She's going to outlive us all. Yeah. She's just unbelievable. She's had like five strokes and a heart attack. She has diabetes and high blood pressure. She takes her diabetes injection right through her pant leg, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she finally stopped smoking. It's just unbelievable. That woman had a dessert in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and was injecting right through the polyester. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, you just go for it, baby. 
I mean, she's tough as nails, you know. It's like people think that I'm the toughest person in Hollywood. It's like with my brother. God rest his soul. He got called to the principal's office for swearing. And they're like, does your mother know how you talk? And he's like, have you met my mother? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I try to get my mother to clean up her language. And then I realize that people think I swear. And it's like, oh, honey. Oh, no, no. (laughs) She didn't learn this from me. (laughs) But, you know, you do get a certain amount of toughness certainly from your mom. And if you haven't read Sharon's book, uh, The Beauty of Living Twice, it is a must, must read. I told, I told, I think I told you this. I read it twice. I, I read it once and then I read it again because I was so taken by your story. And I, who I believe I'm like, I'm a fan. I'm a follower of yours. I like to stay, you know, stay up on the latest Sharon Stone news. Did not realize that you were, I guess, medically dead. In 2001, you suffered a a stroke that had a 1% chance of survival. Yeah. And then you had a nine-day brain bleed. Is that correct? Yeah. So tell me about that experience because I think I, under, I understand this, why you didn't choose at the time to really say much about it. Well, I came out of the hospital in, in very, very bad condition. My right leg was dragging. The right side of my face had fallen like a stroke victim. I had no feeling from my knee to my hip in my left leg. I stuttered all the time, like, talk, you know, pushing it out, trouble with my right arm. I couldn't write my own name and my hearing in my right ear, when the artery blew, it blew into the back of my eardrum. And so my hearing was all messed up and so was my vision because it hit the ear and the eye cortex. And it hit so hard and so much before they understood what was happening that it pushed my brain into the front of my face. So my brain was actually pushed by the pressure and the velocity of the bleed. And because I had just had breast tumors removed from both breasts and I had some reconstructive surgery and I was heavily bandaged and laying on one side, the blood had pooled on the other side. And so when they gave me the first angiogram, they missed it. because my husband at the time was a person who did not have empathy mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. He was a person who had an extremely high IQ, but an extremely low EQ, as was explained to me by our divorce mediator. Mm-hmm. And he tried to explain to me what that meant. And at the time, I didn't really get it, right? But what, what I came to understand was why all the behavior was the way that it was, and why my trying to help him have empathy wasn't going to happen. Right. And so he didn't help me. He didn't help me get to the hospital. He didn't understand what was happening. And he told the doctors that I was faking it because he couldn't see what was happening. And if you don't feel empathetic, then it doesn't make any sense to you, right? So I do have an empathetic 
objective understanding of the situation now. Mm-hmm. That if you can't understand, you don't understand. If a person can't emotionally understand things. But I do have a different understanding of the world as a whole now about people who understand and people who don't understand. Certainly your health issues, I think you would agree, was a setback. But when I look at you, I think of like, I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking at you My on the health screen. issues are bigger than people know. Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell people in the beginning because of the way you get wiped out in this town. Right. And the first doctor that I have was so interested in being famous off my back that instead of taking care of me, he was on the phone and fax with People Magazine yeah, discussing my case. Which is outrageous. Yeah. And while he was doing that, he and someone that I must have been married to at the time because someone signed me up for exploratory brain surgery uh-huh. without my knowledge or consent. Uh-huh. So presumably it had to have been my husband because who else had the legal right to do that, right. right? I don't even know if you have the legal right to do that as right. a spouse because I was compass mentis. I had conversations with everyone. Right. And so I came to being wheeled down the hallway for exploratory brain surgery and asked the orderly where I was going. And he told me, and I was horrified. And I said, stop. And he wouldn't stop. So I had to stand up on the gurney in a hospital gown with my ass flapping in the breeze, bleeding into my brain to get him to stop the gurney. And then, of course, everybody came running, orderlies, nurses, doctors, everybody. And I said, I don't don't want exploratory brain surgery. You know, I don't want to be Francis Farmer. No. Right. And I need the doctor. I need to talk to the doctor right now. And he came running out. And he's like, you have to do this. I said you're doing it. This is what's happening. Lay down. I'm telling you what to do. And I'm like, I'm not laying down and I'm not getting exploratory brain surgery. And you have to discuss this with me. Why? Why am I getting exploratory brain surgery? And what happens when you have exploratory brain surgery? And why would you do this to me? And why this? And he had this this fax in his hand and he was waving it in the air and flapping it on his legs. And he's like, I'm talking to People Magazine right now and you will do what I say and you will lay down right now. And at this point, everybody just froze because they heard what he said. Right. And he said, I'm your doctor and you'll do what I say. And I just looked at him and I said, you're fired. Yeah, good. And he said, you can't fire me. And this nurse, really fabulous, like 55-year-old nurse, looked at him and said, I believe she just did, doctor. Yeah, amazing. And he looked at the orderly and said, take her back to her room. And he said, you can't do that. And she said, I am doing that. She just had a conversation. We all understood it. And she fired you. And you're fired. And she's going back to her room. Thank you. Take her back to her room. It's unbelievable, though, to think about you're already so sick. You're so sick. And I'd been hemorrhaging into my brain for days at this point. But you still had the ability to, I mean, just think if you weren't vocal or if, I mean, if you didn't have the strength to get up. Think about how many women before me. Yeah. How many women before me 
have been the inconvenient wife. I was the inconvenient wife. Then I ended up in court for so many years after that because I had a prenuptial. Uh Then I ended up in court over custody of my baby. And did you feel like your success was weaponized against you? Well, sure. The judge asked my child was like one and a half, then three and a half when they first took him away from me because of my illness. Mm -hmm. But I was able to adopt two more brothers out of the adoption system just fine. Right. But they were taking away my other child because I was somehow unfit. And so I kept losing in family court. Um, because of all these supposedly horrific things about me, while I continued to adopt more children who were, you know, straight A students doing great, while I continued to win the Nobel Peace Summit Award, the Global Humanitarian Award, the Harvard Humanitarian Award, everything for the best human being on planet Earth (laughs) and adopting more kids and my kids getting straight A's. But still... Too unfit to have my original child. You know, it was a really uh, complicated uh, journey and one that ha- helped me to grow up and grow into myself in a profoundly beautiful way. And you wouldn't think that I would be grateful for this experience. Yeah. And I am. And throughout it, I have now come to the point where I can tell the world that my true condition is that without my medication, I stutter 24 hours a day. Mm. And without my medication, I look an awful lot like Michael Fox. Mm. And Michael J. Fox has always been my hero yeah. because he made it and he survived and he worked. And I am so grateful and proud of him. <laughs> Because he was able to go in the world and say, this is what happened to me, and I'm going to do it in public. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the world would accept a sexy Sharon Stone looking like that. I thought I'd be one and done. I'd get a movie and an Oscar, and isn't that so sad? And I didn't want to be her. So I didn't tell anybody. And so I've been hiding and careful and don't take jobs that I think I might What if somebody found out Mm -hmm. and what if that director wasn't kind and what if this assistant is mean and what if that housekeeper, you know what I mean? I've been very careful. And now I've decided, you know what? Guess what? I'm a disability hire. That's the way it is. Yeah. You have to hire me. You have to understand that there's a possibility I might fall down and have a seizure on your set and flap around. There is just that possibility. And then guess what? It'll be over and we'll all go back to work. But, you know, I have brain damage. I do. I have sustained brain damage from an extremely violent thing that happened to me. And I didn't talk about it for 10 years till a doctor made me file a report, tell everybody what happened, go through the whole thing. I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want the world to know that that perfect, gorgeous, fabulous, big star had terrible things. Was a human human being. Because we don't get human being compassion. We don't get human being love. We get attacked. We get canceled. We get ripped apart. We don't get second chances. 
if we say the wrong thing, we get 70 pounds of discussion on the news about why we're a bad person and why we didn't say the right thing. I already was canceled in China once. I got I got <laughs> blacklisted in China because I said the word karma. And karma is not a Chinese word. And it was offensive. And then I got blacklisted. And I didn't mean to do a bad thing. I was helping the Chinese young girls on the Tibet-China border after the earthquake, and I said the word karma, and then I got canceled. Mm. And so I've been canceled, and I've been canceled in a much bigger way than people can possibly ever even begin to imagine what being canceled is like when a whole country cancels you. I don't think people can really understand when they go like, well, we're just going to cancel somebody. Like, no, we're going to talk to each other. And we're going to get into a greater sense of understanding and we're going to grow and I'm going to grow and I'm open to growing and I'm going to help you grow. And if you're too much of an asshole to grow, then go somewhere else. I'm not going to cancel you, but I may not hang out with you. Right. You know, and if I'm too much of an asshole to grow in your direction or to take responsibility for my actions, then don't hang out with me. Yeah, move along. It all makes sense. It's dialogue, encouraging discussions, and you don't always have to agree with each other. No. People can have conversations. And if somebody makes a mistake accidentally or, like you said, intentionally, apologize. You can accept it or not, but it's but it seems like nowadays the canceling has gotten to the point where there is no road to redemption, no matter what is said or done, or it's just the punishment is the point. And you know what? I'm sure that might feel good when you're the one doling it out. Yeah. You probably feel powerful in that moment if that's your power trip, okay? Right. But we have the law, and the law is meant for that. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have laws where we're supposed to have laws because we still have the patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to have laws around the patriarchy itself. Now, the blowback for me too is what's happening now. because, And that's why I didn't name names during Me Too, because there were no misdemeanors and there were no felonies. And you can't be tried by the press Because all you're doing now is putting your ass in the breeze Mm -hmm. and you're just begging for someone to come back on you. My statement during Me Too was, you know who you are. If you want to come to me and say, sorry, I will accept you. I will say, I will accept your apology and we can talk it through. If you don't, don't ever sit next to me again, ever. Because if you sit next to me again, I'm going to stand up in public and say, I said, don't sit next to me. Mm -hmm. So believe me, I've gone to screenings where the only seat left was an empty one next to me. And I've had men sit on the stairs in the aisle. Yeah. Because they know, don't sit next to me. If you're a me too, that me too'd me. Don't sit in that empty chair next to me unless you're going to say sorry. Has anybody apologized to you? Did anybody come forth and apologize? Melojo, my production company, is such a small business, so when we hire someone, it makes a huge impact. And Albert, I know you wear so many hats over there, you might not have the time or the resources to hire, but LinkedIn changes 
all of that. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. So Albert, the next time we're hiring, if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. We got Roz, so we know it works. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, Jan, the weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. <laughs> if you've been waiting to update your wardrobe for a long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. Build up a lineup of timeless pieces that keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. I've been telling you about Quince for a while now, and I plan to keep telling you until you get the message. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I just took a few of their cover-ups on vacation, which were the perfect easy breezy looks to wear. And right now they have these tank dresses that are in the cart, ready to check out. Go look on their website. These tank dresses are effortlessly chic. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash off camera for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera. Albert, I know you're too busy to be frizzy. So grab Waze new anti-frizz cream. It's a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I'm loving it because it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching my bone dry hair with intense hydration. And during the summer, that's something we could all use. You'll also be way obsessed with Waze bestsellers like I am. My new favorite is their scalp and body scrub. It's a blend of sugar and coconut oil that cleanses, exfoliates, and moisturizes all at once on your scalp and your skin. I'm also really into their Wave Spray for this summer. It's a weightless, salt-free mist that gives you that just out of the ocean and my hair dried perfectly look. You know, like that look that is so unattainable. <laughs> it doesn't make my hair crunchy at all. And it's super easy to use. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code off camera for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com promo code off camera. Did anybody come forth and apologize? One guy sat down next to me and said, I don't know what you think I've done. Uh -huh. But if you want to tell me, I'm willing to hear it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I said, it's time for you to get up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love those apologies. I've had those apologies. I'm, I'm sorry if you think I've done something to offend you. And yeah, I say, if you think I've done something, just yeah, doesn't work yeah, for me. What could that be? The, you called my manager and said I should quit my job because I'm not fucking you. And you're married and your girlfriend is on set. Uh -huh. Doesn't really work for me. Right. That's not my problem. 
It just really, it just isn't. So when you when you would deal with this in real time, when it was happening, as it still happens, how do you... The nicest thing that has happened. I went to a concert a couple of nights ago, and the opening act was this fabulous young singer. Oh, she was mad. It was huge. And it was at the forum. I mean, she, she was, it was a big show for her, right? And she came out like in a t-shirt, ripped up jeans, sneakers, no makeup, hair down to her shoulders, gorgeous girl. I mean, owned the forum and then told a story of the first time she went to a big music producer and had an opportunity to sing. And it was her biggest, biggest break. Went in the bathroom, talked to herself in the mirror, jacked herself up, was ready, went and sang for him nailed it, just nailed it, was so proud of herself, knew she really did it. And he said to her, it's true, you're unbelievable. This is so great. You have everything it takes to make it. But you're going to have to do something first. You're going to have to tie up your hair and you're going to have to suck my dick. And the interesting thing was, A, that she said it in the forum, but B, the response of the audience which was that the entire audience had this overwhelming sense of identification with her. And she said, and so I wrote a song about it. And she sang this song and the chorus was, tie your hair up, girl. And I want to tell you that 70% of the forum was screaming this chorus. Yeah. Not only women, but young men too. Mm -hmm. And... I started to cry Mm -hmm. because (laughs) it's so silly, but when I first came to L.A., I was called down to Sony. I'd been here like a couple of years, and I wore my best outfit. Mm -hmm. And I still remember so clearly because when you're young, you have just your one good outfit. Of course. You know, and it's really special because it cost you everything you had. You got it at the closeout sale and you keep it clean because it's the only thing you have for your special, special meetings. And it was my Ralph Lauren jacket with the little ruffle on the shoulder, my denim skirt with the big ruffle at the bottom and my cowboy boots. And I was so excited to wear my special outfit and to meet the head of Sony. And I went to his office And it was, you know, back in the 80s. So the couch was basically on the floor. You know, it was those very low, giant couches. And my knees were around my neck. And, of course, I'm so tall anyway. So I look like like all legs sitting there akimbo on the couch. And he is pacing around the office. And he's doing the exact same thing. Oh, it's true what they say about you. And you're the most gorgeous we haven't seen anyone like you in decades. Everybody's talking about you and look at you. You're the most articulate. You're so smart and beautiful. And that hair, I mean, had hair down, you know, yeah. to my waist. And, oh, you're just blah, 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 blah. And then he went, came walking right up in front of me and he said, but first, and he took his penis right out in my face. And Of course, I was very young. And what I do when I'm nervous, because I'm basically (laughs) a very bubbly person, I started laughing. Right. 
And I started laughing and crying at the same time. And I couldn't stop because I became hysterical. So I was, ah, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't stop. So he didn't know what to do. So, of course, he put it away. Then he God. went through this door behind his desk, which I thought was that he was le he left. So I didn't know what to do. So I was just sitting there hysterical. And eventually his secretary came and led me out, right? But this was not the last of many weird experiences like this in my career. But when I heard this girl sing this, now you've got to realize that this is like 1980 that this happened to me. Right. And, and now we're in 2023, mm -hmm. which is 43 years later. It's the same story. I see this young girl. <laughs> and I'm just, I am mortified that this still, the same exact thing. But at least she's on stage and she's telling the world and making a song. And now the whole forum, boys and girls, are able to say, I'm not putting up with this anymore either. And they're singing with her. Yeah. And I was crying because I thought, Jesus, there was no way I could have told this story before. There was no way anyone would listen to me and ever hire me again because I wouldn't have been able to tell on a studio head from 1980 because Sony would never hire me again. But the truth of the matter is they're not hiring me anyway because when I wrote my book, the only thing anybody ever asked me from the first time I got on every interview, yeah. the first question that never made it into any of the written or audio produced interviews that I did was, are you naming names? Right. That was the biggest concern of all yeah, of about course. me writing a book Yeah, was Sharon naming names. And I specifically did not name names in my book because it's a pointless exercise. Yeah. They know who they are. They know who they are, but they so know who they are that I haven't worked in 20 years. You know, I'm looking at you. First of all, let me just say, when I hear about this performer singing that song, and I'm now convinced that she read your book, like I'm convinced that she probably read your book. And because it starts somewhere, and because you've always sort of written, you've always been to me somebody above the fray. Like, I liked your statement when you said, if somebody wants to come and apologize to me, I will happily accept it. Because and I would. you know that somebody who rose to the level that you rose, it, it's never, people always think everybody's an overnight sensation. Because people think you were born into basic instinct. It was my 18th movie. I mean, exactly. And I've done TV shows uh -huh. and- a million commercials. I right. mean, someone asked me the other day to show them the, some of the commercials that I did when I was a kid. And I mean, there was Coppertone and De Beers and Clairol and Buff Puff and Sprite and this and that. And every, I mean, I did a, Avon and, you know, I did so many commercials because I could talk. Yes. And and, and, you were, lot. and you were beautiful. I could, you could I talk. Could, you could look at me, but I could also walk and talk, which for a young kid, 
there wasn't a lot of young kids that came to New York that could walk, talk, and I could play. I had I had slim tint lip gloss because I could play billiards and talk. Right. And you know, I had all these kinds of great ads that I that I did. I made so many commercials. And I loved making commercials, frankly. I still do. It's a really, it's a fun process. It's like making a movie in a day or two. I want you to make more movies. And I want you specifically to work with Martin Scorsese again. I try. I hound Marty. Yeah. I hound him a lot. I, I always have projects I want to pitch him. I hound him constantly. Um, I worked with him again in Rolling Thunder, the Bob Dylan uh, mm-hmm. mockumentary. I love Marty so much, but... Marty's world is a very male-driven world. And I don't think that the men in his world appreciate a woman coming in and dominating the world. I think they prefer women to come in and support their world. Mm -hmm. The character in Casino was a micro character that dominated the macro. Yeah. This was her, this was the, the problem that they had. They called her that Irish bitch. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was the key to the character, that she was that Irish bitch. She wasn't like them. Mm-hmm. And she became that Irish bitch because she wouldn't conform. So it was very important to me when I read that Irish bitch. And when we were in rehearsals and they would say, that Irish bitch, mm-hmm. when Joey would say, that Irish bitch, mm-hmm. I would think, Right. That's the key to the character because you have to constantly be, you know, it's not the length of the walk, it's the pebble in the shoe. Yeah. Right. Right. So I had to be constantly the pebble in the shoe. I had to remain. And because that was the only real clue through line of her, that's what I based the character on. Yeah. But a lesser actor, let me just say this. We, because before you logged on, we had this full discussion specifically about Casino because none of us in the room could take our eyes off of you. Even when you're in the background, moving through a crowd, the eye is transfixed. You're more gorgeous in person. Like you are more radiant. I feel that way about you. Oh. And, and, and the reason that I think that we have a certain light And this is what I think that you and I share. I think it's because we've made a decision to hold the light. I think that this is something that is complicated to understand and that it's a discipline. Holding the light is a discipline and it's a really tough decision. And to be happy is a a discipline. And you have this discipline, and this is what I admire about you the most. You are so disciplined to be happy, and you are so disciplined to carry the light. And you carry that discipline to work with you, and you carry that discipline into your marriage. And I've been good in relationships. I wasn't really ever great at it. And you, I admire you and your ability to keep on your relationship. I got lucky. I, 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 ha- I married Sharon. I married an empath. And I married, a, he's got the high EQ, high IQ. I got so, so lucky. I keep saying, 
when I've had a hard time in my career or when I've had a hard time in other aspects of my life, I always say that my my reward or the pendulum, you know, because like life is a, a balancing yeah. act, it's a pendulum. I always know that I've got Mark at the end of the day. And so if something is falling apart work-wise or if something is falling apart, you know, if the kids are, I mean, the kids are grown now, but when they were like teenagers yeah, and- we go through everything. Yeah, but I always, I, I got very, very lucky. Everything that we are with others, and especially in this time in the world, we have to understand these things. Mm -hmm. And you being an on-air example of light and happiness is a really big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that people think that being light and happy, that you're all light and fluffy. And you have to be tough as friggin' nails yeah. to be happy yeah. and light and disciplined. And there's a lot of rules that come along with that. Yeah. Do you know well, what I mean? I mean, for women, yeah. And a lot of self-discipline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot, lot more rules for women. Now, a lot of them that I don't buy into and that I don't do, which makes people think that I'm not nice or that I'm not so happy or not so, you know, fluffy. But that's because I really will keep my happiness and I really will keep my joy and I really will keep my light, even if it means saying a very hard no to certain other things. Hard and no. when you say a hard no, people think you're yelling at them and they're like, don't scream at me. And you're like, no, isn't screaming. No, is just, it's just a sentence. And that is very tough for people to hear, especially from a woman. Yeah. It's really, it's so true. I get explained to why no really isn't the right answer. Like, yeah. really, that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, let me talk to you some more. Mm -hmm. No. Now, that can't possibly be what you mean or what you think. I had 10, year, 10 years with my therapist. And for 10 years, we rehearsed. We talk about it here all the time. <laughs> 10 years, we rehearsed me saying, no, that doesn't work for me without me apologizing because I would practice it with her. And she's like, bring it to me this week, bring it to me. And I would say, no, I'm sorry that she's like, uh, stop right there. What word did you let slip in there? And I go, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to do it. No, that doesn't work for me because I had this, this not, not a need, not a need, but I had this constant obligation, obligation to, to apologize yes. for saying no because I had been so trained to do the thing asked of me that saying no was almost incomprehensible. I know what I'm buying my mom friends for Mother's Day. Fiori joggers. Jana's obsessed. My stylist Audrey is obsessed. So I know they're a sure hit. And if any one of my family or friends are listening to this podcast, hint, hint, these would be a great gift for me. They're designed with their dream knit stretch fabric, which I love because they're so ridiculously comfortable, but yet look so good. By the way, they're not just for women. I'm ordering them right now for Mark because Father's Day is right around the corner. No matter how you stay active, running, swimming, yoga, or just running weekend errands, Viore is for you. Viore is offering Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripper listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at fiori.com slash off camera. That's V. 
V-U-O-R-I.com slash off camera. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to Viore.com slash off camera and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Look, I know you know that I know that you know how busy we all get. Ollie can help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four years and up. And the new Ollie Brainy Chews support healthy brain function with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So when I said no, I had to constantly justify or apologize. And my therapist said, all you have to say is, no, that doesn't work for me. That ends the discussion. The sentence about me to my agents was, we're not interested in her fucking opinions. It's <laughs> amazing. Right? It's like, I hate to break it to you, but like, I'm pretty smart. Yeah. My fucking opinions are not too bad. Yeah. But you know, okay. So it's like, so I went to my acting teacher and I'm like, they don't want my fucking opinions. And he goes, well, then don't tell them your thoughts. Tell them your feelings. Right. <laughs> right. So then I had to go to all these men and tell them how I felt. Right. Right. All my feelings. Yeah. I had to share my feelings. Did your feelings ever sound like thoughts? <laughs> I wanted to punch myself in the face. <laughs> how could anybody want to hear my feelings? Feelings, my feelings. Do you know how much I want to hear everybody's feelings at work? About as much as I want to drill myself in the head. (laughs) Like, just go to work. Can I tell you what I think we should do here? No. I feel. (laughs) It's like, Jesus. I think it's just time for me to only do comedy now because everything is funny to me now. (laughs) (laughs) When When the strike is over... Will you will you do White Lotus? I've been so I've been dreamcasting White Lotus. Oh, what a great show! So well, I would do anything with Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, but Jennifer Coolidge's character—I don't know if you saw what happened in the final no, episode. Okay, well, no, I'm not going to tell alert. you, but I'm not going to say anything. But. Oh, but she might not be coming back. (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything, even though it's... It's the blonde leading the blonde here, but I'm getting it. (laughs) I'm just saying that there may be a void at the White Lotus Hotel. They may need another ding-a-ling. I'm ready for (laughs) that. I feel like you could do it. I feel like you are perfect for that show. I feel like you give nuanced performances, which is what that show is. It's so nuanced. Well, I, I do love it. And Aubrey is a good friend of mine. I love her. So do you think you would, like, do you ever, do you have a relationship with Mike White? I don't, but I think he's a brilliant. I think he's just brilliant. So let's segue. I want to talk about the painting. Do you sell the paintings? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. It's very exciting. And- and lately, I've been working with a fantastic art curator who I met 
through one of the most prestigious art gallerists uh, in the world, um, who handles some of the finest uh, contemporary artists who saw my work and sent me uh, someone to spend time with me and direct me and oversee me to help me take my art to the next level. How did it begin? How did, uh, did you, were you always dabbling in art or was it one day you just said, you know, my friend Ellie sent me this adult paint by numbers kit. So I thought, oh, that's fun, but these brushes are awful. I'm going to get some real paint brushes and I'm going to see if I can get my strokes back because my aunt taught me to paint because she had a master's in painting and a master's in English lit. So when I started doing this paint by numbers, I really enjoyed it. And then I put it online that I was doing it. And then a charity asked for it. Could they have it to auction? And I was like, oh, sure, of course. And so the charity auctioned it and Art News covered it and said, you know, well, look at those brush strokes, right? And they did a close up and said, you know, she really has good brush strokes. And I thought, well, I'll do another one. So I started doing another one and halfway through it, I thought, oh, I don't have the patience for this. So I just painted it. You just painted it instead of the painting by numbers. You just painted it. Yeah, you just painted it. Amazing. And then I thought, you know what? I have money now. (laughs) Like the last time I painted, I didn't have any money. Right. I was in my apartment in Beverly Hills South trying to, you know, was modeling and, you know, I'd paint on the floor and lay on the floor and listen to Chet Baker and paint my watercolors, but like I have money now, right? Yeah. I can buy a real canvas. So I went over to Blix and I bought a four by four foot canvas and I thought I'm going to paint a painting. And I did that and that was just it. I was done. You were hot. And then I thought, oh, you know, and four by fours are the most difficult. Square is the most difficult format to paint. So I decided I would only paint these squares for at least two years, if not more, because until I had 10,000 hours, I wasn't going to know if I had any innate gifts here, if it was going to turn into anything. So I wanted to do the most difficult of everything. But I believe that art is like, it's like singing. Okay. You can teach people to do a lot of things, but singing, um, painting, sculpting. Well, I'm taking singing lessons now, so I get it. Yeah, it's but like those in- are things that, like can't be taught. You either no. have it's an like I realized yeah. in my lessons that I am never, ever gonna be a good singer. Well, but you're but you can paint and that is just as cool as being able to sing. You know, I want to do everything. I'm not yeah. I want to try it all. Like and because I write lyrics, which you know I had a number four song during COVID. And I have several songs coming out in the next year. And I'm just, I'm in process of writing an album with someone right now. So I have individual songs coming out and then I'm working on an album. Basically everything you're good at, I'm not good at. Well, you're probably super good at being organized. I'm pretty good at being yeah, organized. You are. Yes, I'm pretty and you good. Probably at really you probably really manage you want me your with bank you. account really well. I and do. you probably have all that stuff really well. It, you want me on a desert island. I'm a very useful person. I could build a shelter. You would make it pretty. I would be a good spouse exactly. for you. Exactly. I would like, you know what? If something happens to Mark, you and I are getting married. Because I <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah. I think I'm age appropriate. 
Exactly. I I really high empathy. I too love to, I love literature and I would, I would be a good companion for you. How old are you? I'm 53. You see what happens once we get in our fifties is we start looking at these relationships that we're in with men (laughs) asking ourselves. Hmm. I want to take you with us when we go on vacation. Because that's where she's going to find her husband. That's where you're going to find your soulmate. I'm so, I would so like to. I mean, and at this point in my life, I am so open to being anybody of any, even gender now, because I'm like, men sort of are starting to really make me sick. And I don't know with this hostility that men have right now, if any man is open to actually being in a normal relationship. Yeah. But these guys are, I'm telling you, I, I, I think about you more than you realize. It's probably- Likewise. It's borderline Likewise. obsession. But every time I'm at a dinner party, I, I will lean into Mark and I'm like, do you think Sharon Stone would like person X? Because I think you need men who are successful in their own right, who have their own self-confidence and self-worth, who aren't afraid to be overshadowed by you. One of the songs that I just, that I just wrote, that I just sold, it sold this day after we recorded it, was about this guy I went out with five times who didn't want to kiss me. And on the fifth date, I was like, what's going on? And And he said, I need more time. Yeah, no. And I was like, for what? No, there's something wrong with him. There's something wrong with him. And so I wrote a a song about that because I was just like, you know, I'm a little old for more time. Yeah. Also, there's something wrong with him. I I mean, you don't want somebody to, you don't want somebody to like stick their tongue in your mouth the first eight minutes you meet them. But I can't imagine not wanting to kiss Sharon Stone. You want someone who's going to kiss you goodnight. (laughs) Yeah, kiss you and let you remember it at least. I mean, I'm from Amish country, but that's enough already. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you very much for doing this podcast. Thank you very much. Well, it was lovely talking to lovely you. Lovely talking and, and to you. And really, too. I liked hearing everybody laughing in the background. Oh my you guys gosh, you really loved it. They were trying to behave themselves because yeah, we've been accused <laughs> of laughing too much. You know, okay, the- I'm going to tell you a joke, just a joke that I heard the other okay. day that I thought was <laughs> okay. fantastic. We're ready. You ready? Yep. Okay, so this guy is driving down this country road and he sees a sign Talking Dog, $200. He's like, Talking Dog? And he keeps driving and he sees talking dog, $200, next right. The guy's like, I got to see this. Mm-hmm. Drives down, turns right. He's going down this little road. He sees this farmer's house, talk, talking dog, turn here. Turns in, gets out of his car, walks back behind the house, sees the barn, sees the farmer standing back there. He's like, are you the guy with the talking dog? He goes, yeah, he's over there. Walks over, walks up to the dog. Looks at the dog, he goes, so you talk? The dog goes, yes, of course I do. I've been talking my entire life. In fact, I've led quite a prolific career. (laughs) I've worked for the government. In fact, I've saved the United States several times. I've worked for the CIA and the FBI, the Secret Services. I'm really quite, I've had the Medal of Honor. I mean, I've met several presidents. I, yeah, I, I talk all the time. What is it you'd like to discuss? The guy turns around and he walks over to the farmer and he goes, are you kidding me? What the fuck? 
he talks two hundred dollars. What's going on? And he goes. The guy look. Farmer looks at him and goes. He's a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and that's it. That's the opening of our, that's the opening of this podcast right there. Thank you, Sharon. We love you. Love you. Give my See love to Dot. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that. We love we love Sharon Stone love here. We do. And if if you haven't read her book again, again, I'm gonna have to insist. This is like required reading for this for the podcast listeners here. The Beauty of Living Twice by Sharon Stone. It's a beautiful read. I highly recommend it. And that's all we've got for you this week. I hope you're happy. <laughs> if you're not happy after that show-stopping joke, then you're at the wrong podcast. <laughs> Go fo- follow the Serial Killer podcast. Go follow something dark and scary. But that was amazing. Uh, can't wait to talk with y'all next week. Bye-bye. Woo! Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Julia Desch. From PRX Productions, our team is... Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolski, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Edwin Ochoa. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. <laughs>